0: Chapter nine of the Life and Works of Joseph Wright by William Bemrose. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter nine. Death of Mrs. Wright. Removes to Queen Street, Derby. Wright's last illness and death. Mr. J. Lee Phillips on the character of Wright. Sale of Wright's pictures in London and Derby. Letters from J. Holland and Reverend Thomas Gisborne. On August the 19th, 1790, Mrs. Wright died of consumption, aged forty-one. This loss inflicted a crushing domestic blow to her husband, whose health now began seriously to fail, and from his manuscript book we are enabled by the following receipt to fix the time when Wright left St. Helen's house, which was soon after pulled down, and by the name of the owner of the property Mr. Benbrick, we are enabled to identify the house in which Wright resided down to the time of his death. The receipt is as follows, quote, May the 1st, 1793, settled with Mr. Wright for half a year's rent, 20 pounds, due Lady Day last. Thomas Benbrick, Jr., quote. The house is number 26 in Queen Street, and is the first house in the parish of St. Aukmund, St. Michael's being the adjoining parish. The family vault was in St. Michael's church, but we find the painter's family are interred in the church of the parish in which they lived. His niece, Miss Wright, says, He removed to a house in Queen Street near to St. Alcman's church. There the windows all looked into the street, or upon buildings at the back part. The gardens being beyond them, it was a dull prospect for him. The house was roomy and substantial, with a large garden, which in Wright's time would be open to the Cherry Orchard, now Orchard Street. The premises now open into Chapel Street. This house afterwards became the post office until the year 1840, and is now in the occupation of Mr. Allen. The buildings appear to be in much the same state now as they were at that time. Some outbuildings obstruct the view of the garden, an archway giving the only glimpse of what was then open country, and this peep was obtained by looking through a very pretty wrought iron gate, no doubt from the hammer and anvil of Bakewell, who has left many examples of his art and skill in the town and neighbourhood. A drawing of the gate is here given, as it is worthy of preservation. During the latter part of 1795, He became too ill to use his pencil, and when his first grandchild was born, in 1796, he talked of introducing her in an unfinished portrait of her mother, in the place of a music book, but the picture was left unaltered, as were the portraits of his brother and his wife. He was so pleased with his brother's portrait at the first sitting that he said he should be afraid of touching it again, lest the likeness should not be so good, and so it remained. In the month of May, 1797, he took to his bed. About this time his nose bled to such a degree as to prevent his lying down, and from the feeble state he was in, he had not strength to hold up his head for long together. A broad ribbon was therefore tied to each side of the head of the bed upon which he rested his chin, and this simple contrivance afforded him great relief. His sufferings from a complication of diseases, were very great, and he gradually became weaker. His daughter, Harriet, attended him night and day during this his last illness, and on the afternoon of the twenty-ninth of August, 1797, he expressed his pleasure at having those around him he had always loved. About two hours before he died, his friend, Mr. Tate of Liverpool, having come to Derby, was anxious to see him, and was admitted. Wright seemed pleased to see his old friend, though he could scarcely articulate, but he drew with his fingers upon the sheet, as if expressive of it, the pleasure they formerly enjoyed together in following that pursuit. He was buried on September 1, the first, seventeen ninety seven, in St. Alkman's Church, and the following inscription was placed on a tablet erected to his memory. Footnote When St. Alkman's Church was rebuilt, the tablet was removed from the pillar and affixed to the wall of the south porch. and a footnote. In the middle aisle, opposite to this pillar, are deposited the remains of Joseph Wright, Esquire, painter. He died August seventeen 1797, in the 63rd year of his age. His well-earned merit in his works is shown, where taste and genius mark him for their own. On an old paper, on which was written the above couplet, there was also the following lines. His age and death alone are here expressed. All friends to taste and genius know the rest. Mr. John Lee Phillips, who wrote an account of Wright shortly after his death, thus writes of him In his person, he was rather above the middle size, and when young was esteemed a very handsome man. His company was then much courted on account of his pleasing vivacity and convivial habits. His eyes were prominent and very expressive. In his manners he was mild, unassuming, modest to an extreme, generous and full of sensibility, with the perfect courage of a gentleman. Honourable and punctual in all his transactions, he entertained the most utter contempt for everything like meanness or illiberality, and his good heart felt but too poignantly for the misconduct of others.' I may truly observe of him that he steadfastly acted on the principle of always continuing to learn, from conversation, from examining pictures, and, above all, from the study of nature. He was constantly endeavouring to advance in the knowledge of his art, and to this habit, as wise as it was modest, of considering himself through life as a learner, no small share of his excellence may be ascribed. This disposition was naturally attended with a candid readiness to adopt, from the practice of other artists, new modes of proceeding, when they appeared to him rational, and to make trial in studies on a small scale of such as seemed in a tolerable degree promising. We shall conclude our account of Mr. Wright in his private capacity as a man, with observing that he repeatedly evinced much liberality by giving valuable pictures to individuals among his private friends, or to persons to whom he thought himself obliged. In various instances these gifts were manifestly disinterested, and they were always conferred in a very pleasing manner which declined rather than sought the expression of gratitude. In addition to the character which he merits for the executive part of his art, it is pleasing to record... That in his works the attention is ever directed to the cause of virtue that his early historical pictures consist of subjects either of rational or moral improvement and he has succeeded admirably in arresting the gentler feelings of humanity for what eye or heart ever remained unmoved at the sight of maria stern's captive or the dead soldier in his works Not one immoral, one corrupted thought occurs to wound the eye of delicacy or induce a wish that so exquisite a pencil had not found employment on more worthy subjects. His pictures may be considered as the reflection of his own delicate mind and will be ranked by posterity as treasures worthy the imitation of succeeding generations. The following letter from Mr. Phillips to Dr. Wright IS OF INTEREST. Manchester, November the 18th, 1797. Dear Sir, you will receive herewith a dozen copies of my account of your late worthy brother, which I have got printed more carefully than was the case in the magazine, in which several errors had escaped correction. Some few still remain, as they were printed in London, and I had no proof-sheet sent down. I will thank you to present a copy to Mr. Holland, when you have an opportunity, with my respectful compliments. I have only to lament my inability to do justice to the character of my much-valued friend, as it requires abilities much beyond my scope to point out the beauties of his works, which go far beyond every modern effort of art, and I do not expect to live to see them equalled. Believe me, with great truth, dear sir, "'Your faithful, humble servant, J. Lee Phillips. "'P.S. My friend Tate brought me a mourning ring "'for which accept my grateful thanks. "'Derby, Iron Gate, 27th of November, 1797, to Mr. Phillips. "'Dear Sir, I was honoured with a parcel last Monday "'containing the copies of memoirs of my late brother's life. "'I return you my most grateful thanks for them.' and think myself much obliged for the very great attention you have shown in publishing the history of my brother's life, wherein you have exhibited, with great judgment and accuracy, everything needful to adorn his character and abilities. The errors you have corrected in the magazine are considerable, and make the production more valuable. Richard Wright. Prefixed to this notice of Wright by Mr. Phillips was an engraved portrait of the artist by Blake. Amongst the effects of the late Mr. George Cumberland, who was an intimate friend of Blake's, was found an etching—evidently the one that served Blake as his copy, on which is written Wright of Derby, etched by himself. This is the only instance known of Wright having used the etching point. I am indebted to Mr. William Atkins, not only for this information, but for the unique etching itself, which is here reproduced. The following is a copy of the catalogue of the drawings and paintings, finished and unfinished, that were sold by Christie on May the 6th, 1801, with the prices realised and the names of the purchasers. This, with a copy of Wright's manuscript book, to be found in the appendix, will form a very complete list of his principal works. A catalogue of the genuine collection of pictures being a selection of the most capital performances of that esteemed artist, Mr. Joseph Wright of Derby, deceased, comprising a view of Allswater, several others in and near Rome, Naples, etc the old man in death. The widow of an Indian chief, and a capital view of an eruption of Vesuvius, besides many other interesting subjects, which will be sold by auction by Mr. Christie at his room, number 118, late the Royal Academy, in Pall Mall, on Wednesday, May 6, 1801, at twelve o'clock. May be viewed two days preceding the sale, when catalogue may be had in Pall Mall. A catalogue, etc. Wednesday, May the 6th, 1801. Pictures. Purchaser. Colonel Denby. 1. Ruins. Small, unfinished, upright. Sold for. 10 shillings, 6 pence. Vernon. 2. A view of the lakes. Ditto. 1 pound, 1 shilling. Jennings. 3. Ditto. 1 pound, 13 shillings. Borough, four. A view with a bridge, ditto. Two pounds three shillings. In, five. A mountainous landscape, ditto. Twelve shillings. Rook, six. A castle by moonlight, in dead colour. One pound fifteen shillings. Marshall, seven. A fire in a forest by moonlight. Eleven shillings. In, eight. A mountainous and woody landscape, oval, two pounds and two shillings. Dorset, nine, ruins of a Roman temple by firelight, one pound, nine shillings. Heath, ten, a boy with a dog, fifteen shillings. Denby, eleven, a landscape in the style of Artois, three pounds, fifteen shillings. Maria Wright, twelve. A hilly landscape with a slated barn, seven pounds. Golding, thirteen. A small mountainous ditto, two pounds, seven shillings. Vernon, fourteen. A small pleasing view of a harbour by moonlight and an unfinished landscape, the companion. Five pounds, fifteen shillings. Jennings, fifteen. A lake seen unfinished, five pounds, ten shillings. Borrow sixteen, a warm mountainous landscape, small, upright, five pounds five shillings, Golding, seventeen, a view of Carnarvon Castle by fire and moonlight, unfinished, five pounds fifteen shillings, sixpence, Vernon, eighteen, an Italian landscape with ruin, six pounds six shillings, Rawlinson, nineteen, a landscape, a rock scene six pounds vernon twenty a view of the ponte nomentano near rome unfinished three pounds heath twenty-one the dead soldier unfinished five pounds h wright twenty-two a view of the lake of nemi a warm evening scene twelve pounds twelve shillings long twenty-three lady and beggar boy unfinished One pound seven shillings. Vernon, twenty-four. The glass house sketch. The fire exceedingly well expressed. Three pounds ten shillings. Shackman, twenty-five. A small view of an eruption of Mount Vesuvius by moonlight. Four pounds four shillings. Brown, twenty-six. A landscape unfinished. One pound one shilling. In twenty-seven. View of an eruption of Mount Vesuvius by moonlight with a view of the Bay of Naples eighteen pounds eighteen shillings. Tate In twenty eight. A landscape and figures with a tilted cart, a view of Matlock High Tor in the distance, very rich and glowing effect fifty one pounds nine shillings. Borough twenty nine. Portrait of a beggar man six pounds. Mr Cade in thirty. A landscape with a monumental ruin by moonlight fourteen pounds three shillings sixpence. Tate thirty one. A landscape sunset ten pounds ten shillings. Mr Cade in thirty two. A pleasing view of a lake by moonlight nine pounds nineteen shillings sixpence. Golding thirty three. An Italian Rocky Landscape and Figures. £10.10 shillings. Borough, 34, an eruption of Vesuvius by moonlight, viewed through the fog, singularly fine effect. £16.16 shillings. Heath, 35, a view on the lakes in Westmoreland. £16.16 shillings. Maria Wright, in 36, a Ditto, fifteen pounds fifteen shillings. Rawlinson, thirty seven. Virgil's tomb, a pleasing high finished picture, seventeen pounds six shillings sixpence. Mr. in thirty eight, a mountainous and woody landscape, a view in the neighbourhood of Matlock, twenty pounds nine shillings sixpence. Jennings, thirty nine. A small Italian landscape after Wilson. Twenty one pounds ten shillings sixpence. Joseph Wright, in forty. A boy and girl with a blown bladder. The countenances full of lively expression, and the whole delicately and highly finished. Forty pounds nineteen shillings. Borrow forty one. A landscape viewed through a cavern by moonlight twenty six pounds five shillings stirs forty two a view of alls lake and skiddo twenty one pounds vernon forty three an upright view in the convent of the latomia at syracuse sixteen pounds five shillings sixpence h wright forty four a rocky landscape with a river by moonlight forty seven pounds five shillings Smith, M. P. forty five. A mountainous landscape in the neighbourhood of the lakes, nine pounds nineteen shillings sixpence. Tate, in forty six, a landscape with a rainbow view near Chesterfield in Derbyshire, fifty nine pounds seventeen shillings. Borough, forty seven. The cascade of Terni near Tivoli, forty pounds nineteen shillings. Pool and Tate, forty eight. A pair of elegant views of the Lake of Albano with the Castel Grandolso and the companion, the Lake of Nemi, sixty three pounds. In, forty nine. Stern's Maria, an elegant figure delicately painted, thirty eight pounds, seventeen shillings. Borrow, fifty. A landscape, view of the Lake of Albano, a beautiful worm scene. Fifty three pounds eleven shillings. In fifty one, Romeo and Juliet in the sepulchre, a spirited composition. The interest considerably heightened by the shadow of figures approaching the tomb. Capital. Forty seven pounds five shillings. Tate fifty two, View of a Cottage in a Needwood Forest. Sixty three pounds. In fifty three, William and Margaret from the popular ballad. Capital. Thirty nine pounds eighteen shillings. Barrow fifty four. The Colosseo at Rome with figures. A highly finished view of this grand and interesting monument of antiquity. Seventy four pounds eleven shillings. Borrow fifty five. A view of Dito by moonlight with a figure of a friar at his evening devotion to the Virgin. Eighty five pounds one shilling. In fifty six. A philosopher in his study by lamplight. A highly finished and brilliant coloured picture. 19 pounds, 19 shillings. Car for our Ride. 57. A large and romantic view of the head of All'swater Lake from Licence Tower in Greystock Park, the seat of the Duke of Norfolk. 315 pounds. In 58. The allegory of the old man and death in a picturesque landscape, a river seen with gothic ruins. A very correct knowledge of anatomy is displayed in the figure of death. The alarm of the old peasant is finely expressed, and the lights throughout the picture are uncommonly brilliant. Fifty one pounds nine shillings. In fifty nine, Lusignan in prison. The interior finely illumined, capital, 60 pounds, 18 shillings. Smith, for Wakefield, 60, a small prison scene with a single figure, 31 pounds, 10 shillings. Burrow, 61, a ditto, 17 pounds, 17 shillings. In, 62, the alchemist in his laboratory with assistants the admirable performance presents a happy display of the artist's talents the effect of light issuing from the sand head and reflected from the retort and surrounding implements is contrived with surprising effect amounting to perfect illusion truly capital eighty pounds seventeen shillings borrow sixty-three the hermit companion to the preceding capital seventy pounds seventeen shillings borrow sixty-four THE INDIAN WIDOW The elegant painting is replete with poetical beauties. The contest of the day is over, but the war is still waged among the elements, and a volcano on the right adds to the turbulence of the scene. The apathy of excessive grief is conspicuous in the distressed female, who is thus admirably contrasted with the agitated objects of the background. 73 pounds 10 shillings IN 65 A GRAND eruption OF VESUVIUS SEEN ACROSS THE BAY BY MOONLIGHT This magnificent scene, so often attempted by the pencils of various masters, has surely never been expressed with more grandeur than in this effort of Mr. Wright. The effect is awful beyond description. Earth, air and water appear as but one element. It is thus that real genius can manage nature at its will, and the artist who transfers her to the canvas with so much truth kindles a light which will ever be reflected with lustre upon his own name. 304 pounds, 10 shillings. Total, 2,075 pounds, 3 shillings. Phineas. J. Smeaton Printer, 148 st martin's lane mr j holland of ford hall one of wright's executors attended the sale at Christie's, and on his return wrote the following quaint letter to dr wright the artist's brother ford august eleventh eighteen o one dear sir on the fourteenth of july and at four o'clock in the morning mrs holland and myself passed through derby on our return from full ten weeks bustling in noisy london while the chaise was preparing at Derby, I could not forbear, viewing the outside of your habitation, and wishing that the hour had been more reasonable that I might have seen how you all would have admired the country squire returned, and that you, in your turn, might have had an opportunity to have discovered the vast improvements I had made in town manners, etc., etc., i had also with me your brother's drawings from Michelangelo, which i wanted much to have left with you they are however very safe here i was not able to forward the disposal of them though i showed them to several artists who commended them very highly they were all of opinion that they should have been sold with the pictures do you remember dr bates who many years ago lived in your town and removed from thence to aylesbury Having been a long time in Rome, he knew the subjects perfectly, and thought them very fine studies. I want much to come to Derby, but cannot say when at present. I have very fine impressions both of Sir Richard Arkwright and the Tempest, which I trust to convey to those they are intended for in due time. I can say with my whole heart. But there was not a landscape in the exhibition "'that could be compared to what used to be "'the production of your brother's pencil. "'But this I thought ill manners to advance in London. "'The artists, indeed, I must say, whom I conversed with, "'were by no means sniggardly in their commendations "'of Mr. Wright's works. "'There were at the exhibition some fine-coloured drawings, "'particularly by Turner, who appears to be a very rising genius.' sir w v g hopner and lawrence seem all three pretty near an equality i shall leave all my rare anecdotes till i meet the worthy circle and then you shall be told the wonders and no wonders that occurred to the derbyshire man's visit to london after thirty-three years absence my kind regards and wishes to you and yours and also at spondon The accounts, Chatterer, shall come, when the bearer will be yours sincerely, J. Holland. It will be noticed that the pictures were nearly all bought by private persons and not by dealers. Also that several pictures were bought in, at the sale at Christie's in 1801, which were afterwards sold in Derby, in 1810 at considerably enhanced prices the following is a copy of the catalogue the original being in the meyer collection Note: i am greatly indebted to mr meyer of liverpool for kindly allowing me the use of his collection of letters relating to wright catalogue of the genuine collection of pictures being a selection of the most capital performances of that esteemed artist mr joseph wright of derby deceased comprising the alchemist the old man and death A Philosopher in His Study by Lamplight, and A Capital View of an Eruption of Vesuvius, besides several other interesting subjects, which will be sold by auction by Mr. Shaw at the Town Hall in Derby on Thursday, the 11th day of October, 1810. The sale to commence immediately after the morning's musical performance. Footnote. For many years a grand musical festival was held in Derby in October and produced large sums in aid of the general infirmary. The best musical talent of the day was engaged. On this occasion the Oratorios, the Messiah, the Creation, Judas Maccabeus and Israel in Egypt, and a selection from Handel, boys etc., were performed in All Saints Church, in which... Madame Catalani, Miss Travis, Mrs. Shapley and Mrs. Bianchi, Mr. Harrison, Messrs. Goss, Elliot, Wall and Buttleman took part. The chorus was supported by the celebrated female singers from Lancashire, also by performers from the Ancient and Vocal Concerts London and from various cathedrals. Messrs. Harrison and Gretorex, conducted the orchestra of 150 performers. A ball took place in the new assembly room and two grand concerts in the theatre. On the first day, a sermon was preached by the Archbishop of York. The offertory amounting to £354. Infirmary Donations Messrs. Cade and Chapel being Monis received at the exhibition at the town hall of the late Mr Wright's pictures 7 pounds 13 shillings Derby Mercury December the fourth 1810 and a footnote may be viewed at the town hall from monday the 8th of october until 12 o'clock on thursday the 11th of october admission one shilling to be given to the infirmary conditions of sale The highest bidder to be the purchaser, should any dispute arise, the lot to be put up again. The purchaser to pay immediately the auction duty, in addition to the purchase money. The pictures to be at the purchaser's risk immediately on the fall of the hammer and taken away at his expense. Lastly, in case of any purchaser's neglecting to fulfil their conditions, the lot's to be resold, and the deficiency upon such resale should any arise, and all expenses thereon, to be borne and paid by the defaulter of the present sale. Thursday, 11th of October, 1810 Pictures 1. A hilly landscape with a slated barn, 1 foot 8 by 1 foot 4 inches, unsold. 2. View of an eruption of Mount Vesuvius by moonlight, with a view of the Bay of Naples, 2 feet 7 by 2 feet 1 inch price sold for twenty-three pounds two shillings purchaser mr Snowden, spondon three a philosopher in his study by lamplight a highly finished and brilliant coloured picture four feet two by three feet four inches upright forty-three pounds one shilling mr tate liverpool four Lusignan in prison the interior finely illumined capital four feet two by three feet four inches one hundred and five pounds mister Chapel Arnold five. The allegory of the old man and death in a picturesque landscape a river scene with gothic ruins. A very correct knowledge of anatomy is displayed in the figure of death. The alarm of the old peasant is finely expressed, and the lights throughout the picture are uncommonly brilliant four feet two by three feet four inches. Eighty-four pounds, Sir R. Wilmot, Chudderston. Six, William and Margaret from the popular ballad, Capital, four feet nine by four feet one inch, a hundred and five pounds, Miss Wright, Spondon. Seven, Romeo and Juliet in the Sepulchre, a spirited composition, the interest considerably heightened by the shadows of figures approaching the tomb, Capital, Seven feet eleven by five feet eleven inches, unsold. Eight, the alchemist in his laboratory with assistance This admirable performance presents a happy display of the artist's talents. The effect of light issuing from the sun hit and reflected from the retort and surrounding implements is contrived with surprising effect amounting to perfect illusion truly capital four feet two by three feet four inches upright two hundred and ten pounds colonel wilson wooden lodge nine a grand eruption of vesuvius seen across the bay of naples by moonlight this magnificent scene so often attempted by the pencils of various masters has surely never been expressed with more grandeur than in this effort of Mr. Wright. The effect is awful beyond description. Earth, air, and water appear as but one element. It is thus that real genius can manage nature at its will, and the artist who transfers her to the canvas with so much truth kindles a light which will ever be reflected with lustre upon his own name. 5 feet 11 by 4 feet 1 inch. Unsold. 10. Portrait of a Lady. Unclaimed. 15 pounds 15 shillings. Mr. Bateman, Foston. 11. Ditto of a Gentleman. Unclaimed. 3 pounds 3 shillings. Mr. Sewell, Lester. N.B. These paintings have not been copied. Catalogues may be had of Mr. Shaw, Mr. Moseley and at the principal inns in derby j drury printer derby Matlock, old bath september the third seventeen ninety seven to mr wright surgeon iron gate derby sir on passing through derby on thursday last i was on the point of sending a servant to your brothers for the purpose of making inquiries concerning him meaning to go afterwards myself if his health admitted when i heard with much concern of his death i feel sincere regret for a friend whom i had long known and valued highly mrs gisborne and myself on our return through derby yesterday would have been glad to send our inquiries to mr wright's but i was doubtful whether it might not be premature to do so i will therefore trouble you to express at a proper opportunity to mrs cade and the rest of the family our concern for their loss and our sincere wishes for their health i am sir your faithful and obedient servant thomas Gisborne. with these notices of the death of wright and the subsequent sale of his pictures my task is ended as the materials at my command have enabled me i have striven to present a faithful record of his artistic and private life As an artist his genius was recognised in his own day, and it is satisfactory to know that his industrious pencil provided an ample income and enabled him to realise a very sufficient competence for the years when age and infirmity grew upon him. But there were drawbacks to his attainment of greater fame and honours. He was a man of great sensitiveness and of strong domestic feelings and habits, his retiring disposition and the depressing maladies from which he suffered during many years of his life, indisposed him both mentally and physically for a residence in London, where an active life would have opened out to him more extended patronage and consequent advancement in his profession. As a man, the perusal of much private correspondence in addition to that here published has led me to form a high estimate of his character.' Loving in his family relationships, he was a faithful and generous friend, and of large sympathies. His private life reflects as great honour on his name, as do his works and his artistic repute. The latter his own hand has imperishably handed down to us, and his memory may well be cherished as one who has shed undying lustre on his native town. Finis End of chapter 9 and of The Life and Works of Joseph Wright A.R.A. Commonly called Wright of Derby by William Bemrose